In December of 1992, two holiday classics were released in theaters. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which would go on to be one of the top films of the year, despite it not being nearly as good as the first one. Sorry, Mandy. And The Muppet Christmas Carol. Whenever I think about holiday movies that I grew up watching year after year with my sister, The Muppet Christmas Carol immediately comes to mind. Between this movie, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen, Christmas Vacation, Jiminy Cricket's Christmas, and a host of others, my sister and I had a lot to choose from. We would stay up late into the night to watch our favorites, together. Even as we grew older and went away to college and moved far away from our hometown, when we came home for the holidays, we'd sift through the VHS tapes at my mom's house and relive our childhood through the magic of movies. Movie watching during this time was different than it is now, as we were completely focused on the movie and repeating the memorable lines and singing along. We were never distracted by something like a cell phone. We were present. So with that being said, on today's show, we'll be taking a detailed look back at the underappreciated yet cult classic status film that is The Muppet Christmas Carol. We will discuss the events that transpired before the film even went into production, some captivating behind-the-scenes information, and why the film continues to make it into my holiday movie rotation, even though it is almost 30 years old. So grab your favorite holiday pajamas. Don't hate. I'm from the Midwest. That's how we say that. Some popcorn and hot cocoa. Here we go. Hello, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by and in memory of my big sister Rebecca and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I'm your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. You are tuning into episode number 23, The Muppet Christmas Carol, a beloved holiday film that is near and dear to those of us that were first introduced to it as children. I believe my sister and I saw the film in theaters. We did not see Home Alone 2, though, in case you were wondering, because that is not a good movie. Hopefully this episode will be released around the time of my sister's birthday. She would have been 40 this year. Since she was born so close to Christmas, her middle name was Noelle, and I will always associate her with Christmas. Since most people are generally familiar with the premise behind the story of A Christmas Carol, we won't dig too deep into that. However, in case you do need a quick synopsis, The Christmas Carol was originally a story written by Charles Dickens, and it tells the story of a character named Ebenezer Scrooge, who is an older gentleman, who is a very greedy businessman who doesn't seem to understand how his behavior and choices impact others, including himself. On Christmas Eve, he is visited by three ghosts who tell him how his past and present life and choices will impact his future. With that being said, we will focus on behind-the-scenes secrets, which were incredibly amusing to learn about. So let's get started. On December 11th, 1992, Walt Disney Pictures released The Muppet Christmas Carol, which runs for about 86 minutes. The film is rated G and was directed by Brian Henson, who is the son of Jim and Jane Henson. Brian Henson and Martin G. Baker produced the film. Brian Henson actually made his first Sesame Street appearance in 1969. He appeared in a short film about the number three. Jim Henson, the mastermind behind The Muppets and Sesame Street, 
sadly passed away in 1990 from pneumonia. The Muppet Christmas Carol was the first Muppet film to be released following his death. It was also the first Muppet film that did not have Kermit in the lead role. Coincidentally, Sammy Davis Jr. also passed away in 1990. I was a mere seven years old in 1990, and in a home video of me and my sister, for some reason, I brought that up, and uh, it really makes no sense why I did. Here's what happened. Me and my sister had recently fixed up my bike, fixed being in quotation marks, which was my sister's bike at one point. It had a large pink banana seat on it. We utilized our non-existent mechanical skills to add a cow pillow strapped over said seat with a bungee cord. And for some reason, when we wheeled the bike out, I dedicated the bike to Jim Henson and Sammy Davis Jr. I was definitely a huge Muppets fan as a child and as an adult, of course, but I don't think I was really familiar with who Sammy Davis Jr. was, so that was a very interesting dedication. Nothing says sorry about your loss like a stitched cow pillow strapped over a bicycle seat. I know if someone did the same for me, I would feel great comfort. Or not. My sister, being the supportive older sibling that she often was, didn't bat an eye at her little sister's bizarre comment. But anyways, back to the movie. Brian Henson was just 28 at the time when production on the film started. And this just blew me away to learn that he was so young, as the film is incredibly well done and has a very mature tone to it. Apparently, he was terrified to be in charge of the film. He felt like he wasn't ready. He had been approached by talent agent Bill Haber about doing the film. Haber thought doing an adaptation of The Christmas Carol starring the Muppets was a great idea, and as it turns out, he was absolutely right. The Muppet Christmas Carol had both human characters playing roles in the film as well as the most well-known puppets of all time, primarily created by the creative genius Jim Henson. Scrooge was played by Michael Caine, who was an Academy Award-winning actor. Sir Michael Caine, as he is now known, considers his role in the Muppet Christmas Carol to be one of his most memorable, and he really did an incredible job. Apparently, at one time, George Carlin, the foul-mouthed comedian, was considered for the role of Scrooge but thankfully it went to Kane. When he signed on to play Scrooge, Kane said that he would play the role in a dramatic fashion, as if these smile-inducing Muppets were not around. He once said, quote, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I am going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. End quote. Kermit the Frog played the role of Bob Cratchit. Kermit was voiced by Steve Wetmire, who also provided the voices of Rizzo the Rat, who played Gonzo's sidekick in the movie, as well as Beaker, Bean, and Belinda Cratchit, one of Bob Cratchit's daughters, among many others. During filming, Wetmire had an absolutely incredible mullet. I'm talking Andre Agassi style. Wetmire was very nervous to play the role of Kermit the Frog. After all, he was taking over from the most beloved puppeteer the world has ever known. As a result, he had a lot of anxiety about taking on the role. He was worried because his character voice didn't sound the same as Henson's. Whitmire said that just prior to his role in the film, Henson came to him in a dream. In the dream, Whitmire was in a building that was all white. As he was standing there, all of a sudden, Henson quickly walked by him. Whitmire said to Henson, I'm nervous about taking over for Kermit. Henson had a thoughtful look on his face and replied back, it will pass. This dream gave him the confidence to take it on. 
When I think of the voice of Kermit the Frog, I am reminded of a talent show that my high school used to host called Mr. DGN. I can't remember anything really useful from high school like geometry or algebra, but I do remember stupid stuff like this. Anyways, Mr. DGN was essentially a male-only talent show where young men could showcase their various talents like dancing, telling jokes, or playing music. One guy who was in my grade level decided to show off his alleged singing skills, and the buzz around school was that his voice was absolutely incredible. So when he came onto the stage, I was really excited. He picked a popular song at the time to sing. God Must Have Spent a Little More Time on You, which was done by NSYNC. I was a huge NSYNC fan when I was a teenager. I saw them in concert three times. I feel like I remember my sister and I using some of the song lyrics as an insult sometimes for people. We'd say something along the lines of, God must have spent no extra time on you. Anyways, he came out onto the stage to the sound of loud cheers in the auditorium. He then started to sing, and this is what it sounded like. Keep in mind, this is from over 20 years ago, so it's probably not exactly like this, but this is just what I remember. Can this be true? Tell me, can this be real? How can I put into words what I feel? Okay, that was terrible. Uh, I'm certainly not an expert on singing, but man, did he suck. I instantly thought I was listening to the sound of Kermit the Frog being strangled. But anyways, that was a tangent. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the voice of Kermit is permanently etched in my brain and has been since childhood, so Whitmire's anxiety was definitely understandable. Plus, the sound of that kid singing is also etched in my brain, even though that was decades ago. Anyways, the great Gonzo played the role of Charles Dickens. He was voiced by David Goles. Goles also did the voice of Bettina Cratchit, Robert Marley, played by Waldorf, Bunsen Honeydew, and several others. Jerry Nelson voiced Robin, Kermit's nephew, who played the role of Tiny Tim, as well as Jacob Marley, played by Statler, the Ghost of Christmas Present, Ma Bear, and many others. Frank Oz, a genius and a legend, provided the voices for Miss Piggy, who played Emily Cratchit, Fozzie the Bear, who played Fozzie Wig, Sam the Eagle, who played the Headmaster, Animal, and several others. In total, there were 280 puppets in the film, as well as multiple human characters played by some lesser-known actors and actresses. There are just too many to list here, but for full details, check out the website IMDb. At one point, the movie was going to be cast a bit differently. Originally, Robin the Frog was going to play the Ghost of Christmas Past, Miss Piggy was going to be the Ghost of Christmas Present, and Animal, of all people, was going to play the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. The movie was going to be more of a parody, but thankfully they decided to create all new puppets for the ghosts, which I think was a wise decision. Regardless of those changes, though, the goal of the film was to focus on the original prose from Charles Dickens. As a matter of fact, despite a plethora of adaptations of this book, up until that point, The Muppet Christmas Carol was really the most accurate and true to the original story, including the use of quotes taken directly from the book. Also, Gonzo, who played Charles Dickens in the movie, has dialogue that mostly consists of lines taken from the book. The screenplay was written by Jerry Jewell. Jewell was heavily involved with the Muppets for several decades. He wrote for The Muppet Show and Fraggle Rock. He was also a very talented puppeteer. The Muppet Christmas Carol was filmed in the United Kingdom. The film features a beautiful soundtrack. The original score was composed by Miles Goodman with songs by Paul Williams. It includes several heartstring-pulling songs, including 
Scrooge, One More Sleep Till Christmas, Marley and Marley, When Love is Gone, It Feels Like Christmas, Bless Us All, Thankful Heart, and many more. One of the most memorable songs in the original movie is called When Love is Gone, which is performed by the character of Belle, who is Scrooge's love interest in the story. As Scrooge gets older and more greedy and distant, she decides it's time to end the relationship, and she sings this hauntingly beautiful song. The song was not included with the theatrical release of the film as the chairman of Disney at the time, Jeffrey Katzenberg, felt it was too sad of a song for children, and I guess it was a bit upsetting to test audiences. So, despite Brian Henson being very upset about this decision, the song was ultimately cut. Henson felt like the song was sad, but that it was okay for children to be exposed to emotional moments, even if it was in a movie theater. And to that, Mr. Henson, I say, Amen. I sobbed at the end of Titanic, which I saw in the movie theater twice, for some reason, and also Moulin Rouge. Sobbed walking out of the theater and in the car. Don't judge. It happens, okay? It happens. However, the song did make it onto the VHS and Laserdisc versions of the film, which is how I became so familiar with it and emotionally moved by it. And I recently watched my DVD copy of The Muppet Christmas Carol and was getting very excited to hear this song, and it wasn't in my copy. I was so pissed. Anyways, here are the lyrics to this song. There was a time when I was sure that you and I were truly one, that our future was forever and would never come undone. And we came so close to being close, and though you cared for me, there's distance in your eyes tonight, so we're not meant to be. The love is gone, the love is gone. The sweetest dream that we have ever known. The love is gone, the love is gone. I wish you well, but I must leave you now alone. There comes a moment in your life, like a window and you see, your future is there before you, and how perfect life can be. But adventure calls with unknown voices, pulling you away. Be careful or you may regret the choice you made someday. When love is gone, when love is gone. The sweetest dream that we have ever known. When love is gone, when love is gone. I wish you well, but I must leave you now alone. It was almost love. It was almost always. It was like a fairy tale we'd live out, you and I. And yes, some dreams come true. And yes, some dreams fall through. And yes, the time has come for us to say goodbye. Yes, some dreams come true. And yes, some dreams fall through. Yes, the time has come for us to say goodbye. So certainly it's not exactly a children's song per se, but like Henson said, it's okay for children to be exposed to emotional music. Hard situations in life are inevitable. Nonetheless, the soundtrack is fantastic. If you've never heard it or haven't heard it in a while, you can download the entire collection of songs on iTunes. It took over a year to put together a movie, and once I dug a bit deeper into what went on behind the scenes, it started to make a lot of sense. As I mentioned earlier in the show, there were over 280 puppets used in the movie, including several that were not only original to the film, but also incredibly complicated. First, the Ghost of Christmas Past, if you remember, was a ghost that resembled a sort of creepy-looking doll who appeared to have only a head, which was draped with a white silk robe. She doesn't ever walk in the movie, but instead she floats. And if something resembling that character was floating near me one evening, I would probably punch it as hard as I possibly could. Anyways, to create the appearance of floating, the ghost's scenes were filmed in a tank of water and then layered over a green screen. 
After weeks and weeks of filming, the water started to deteriorate the puppet, which just adds to the overall creepiness of its appearance. Apparently, they had to film her scenes pretty quick before she became completely unusable. Even after seeing this movie dozens and dozens of times, the puppet still looks like something out of a nightmare or a horror movie. The special effects are incredibly well done, though. It's just the thought of a soaking wet ghost of Christmas past that keeps me up at night. The Ghost of Christmas Present was the most complicated puppet used in the film. In case you have forgotten, he is a larger-than-life cheerful gentleman that Scrooge becomes kind of attached to. The facial expressions were controlled remotely, but a male actor was inside of the large costume to help make it move. For the first time in a Muppet movie, in one scene, Kermit, a.k.a. Bob Cratchit, is walking and singing with Robin, a.k.a. Tiny Tim, on his shoulder. It took at least ten puppeteers to make this happen, including someone rolling an artificial snow-covered cylinder that Kermit's feet moved on to give the appearance of movement. Genius. Michael Caine, who played Scrooge, felt like the Muppets were real and looked incredibly realistic. He often forgot that they were controlled by humans. Blending human actors and actresses with puppets was certainly no easy task. The set was incredibly detailed with many buildings and city streets to represent earlier times in England. The buildings in all the London scenes were built individually by hand. Further, the human characters had to walk on wooden planks on the set that were only about two feet wide so that the puppets could walk alongside them. The puppeteers were on the floor about four feet down. So not only did human actors like Sir Michael Caine have to play their role, they also had to walk and move along without looking down or showing any concern that they could easily fall and break their ankle. The film was dedicated to Jim Henson and Richard Hunt, who was a performer. In one scene in the movie, Kermit, playing Bob Cratchit, is looking out into the night sky, and a shooting star moves across the screen. Apparently, this was an homage to Henson and likely Hunt. In one of the later scenes of the film, Kermit, Bob Cratchit, is at his table on Christmas surrounded by his family after Tiny Tim has passed away. He says, life is made of meetings and partings. I think I can really relate to this comment, and I think this applies so much to this time of year for many people. It's hard to not think back to holidays of the past and who is no longer with us. We remember our grandparents, who always made Christmas so special. Like my grandfather, who spent hours making sure my dad's model train was up and running around the tree. My grandmother, who always made a delicious Polish soup every Christmas Eve. We remember our childhood and how sharing it with a sibling made Christmas all the more special. I was always up first, and I would run into my sister's room to wake her up with excitement for what awaited us downstairs. Life really is made up of meetings and partings, and it's pretty profound that the Muppets made us reflect on what being selfless and compassionate was all about through the adaptation of a classic story. I hope you enjoyed this look back at the Muppet Christmas Carol, a holiday classic that is almost 30 years old, yet still timeless. The film was a moderate success with a budget of $12 million and box office earnings of just over $27 million. I can't think back to the holidays of the past without thinking of this movie and watching it with my sister at 1 a.m. If it's been a while since you last saw it, or if you haven't, definitely check it out as it holds up incredibly well. I believe it is available on Disney+. My sister often quoted this movie and would insert various lines from it into daily conversations. 
For example, there's a scene in The Muppet Christmas Carol where some characters took items from Scrooge's house after he passed away, and they each shared what they had stolen. So if maybe someone asked my sister a question about something she had, she'd say in her best British accent, Well, I've got us blankets. It's the only warmth he's ever had. I can still hear her saying that in my head. If you are enjoying the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, I would really, really appreciate it if you would subscribe and rate the show. Please tell your family and friends about the show. You can contact me anytime. My email address is popcultureretrospective at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at popcultureretro. I'm also on Instagram. I am popcultureretrospective. I hope you'll join me for my next show, which will definitely be a bit after the new year where we will discuss the life and career of Kathy Griffin. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories.